Hi, and welcome to Forbes Talks. I'm Maggie McGrath, the editor of Forbes Women, and welcome to the Forbes set at the NASDAQ Market Site. I am here with a founder, a CEO, someone who has overcome a lot of challenges to get to where she is. I am talking about Susie Batiz, the founder and CEO of Coopery. Susie, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. What an honor. <laughs> I'm so glad we finally get to talk because you've spoken to Forbes before, but you and I have not sat down together. Right. And I want to go through everything that has happened since the last time you talked to us. Okay. And a lot has happened. Uh, in 2019, we ran a story with the headline, how a twice bankrupt entrepreneur turned toilet spray into a $240 million fortune. That headline says a lot. Mm -hmm. And for folks who haven't read that story or aren't familiar with you as an entrepreneur, can you give the 60 second overview? What is Poopery? What is your business? Yeah, so Poopery is a before you go bathroom spray that I invented in my kitchen, in my house. It took me about nine months. I had this idea, can bathroom odor be trapped? I've always been a closet hippie and decided to mix some oils. Took me nine months. One day my husband walked out of the bathroom. He said, we're gonna be millionaires. And I said, what? So I'd been bankrupt twice, but the product was so good, I knew I had to bring it out into the world. Well, past performance is not a guarantee of future results. And in fact, I Clearly. imagine you learned a thing or two from those bankruptcies. And one of them, you were very young. You had borrowed money to start a business when you were just 19, yes. I think. So what happened there? A bridal salon. I borrowed and bought a bunch of old inventory. So I had no money, no cash you know, reserves to buy any new inventory. So I was stuck with this old inventory and ended up being bankrupt. But I got some really good advice from the um, owner of the bank. I went to go get a loan and he said he had been bankrupt a few times. He was you know, very wealthy. He said the key is to recognize when you have a rotten fish and when you do, turn your back on it, turn around and never look back, you know, just to learn. So I did at a very young age. I thought, oh, this is the way it works. Okay, great, let's move on. And what did you take from that experience to founding? It was called Poopery at the time that you last spoke with Forbes. Yeah, I think um, not being so worried about whether things going to work out or not. You know, it's it can work out and it cannot work out. I've had both sides of that. And can I stay true to this idea and giving this to consumers and not be so afraid about whether the company is going to crash or make it or grow or scale or all those words that we hear? Can I just be present and give my company what it needs in the moment? So 2019, you make our list of America's richest self-made women. Yeah. We had projected revenue was on track for $100 million that year. What's happened since? How are you doing? How's the company doing? The company's doing amazing. We're growing into, we're in big box, we're in Target and Walmart, we're in about 40% of the store. Poopery changed to Puri. So now instead of having one SKU, we have 75 SKUs in different categories. We have pet puree, home puree, uh, diaper pail spray, we have car freshener, even pot puree <laughs> for the people that enjoy weed. Um, oh, that pot we, versus that like a pot, pot yeah. like a, I'm, I'm picturing a flower pot, which no, like no, mulch no. can smell, okay. Different kind of pot. Kind of pot. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, so we're expanding in all departments in, in a lot of different forms. We're excited. And is it the same technology that you used for the toilet spray, like using the essential oils and creating the film, or has it involved more R&D? way more R&D because not every odor is the same. You know, like a breath odor is different than an underarm odor. There are actually different bacterias. And what we do differently is I use oils to solve a problem, not to smell good. So I'm using oils and plant ingredients to actually kill and neutralize the bacteria versus covering it up. That's why the products are so effective. But yeah, it takes a lot of R&D. 
What is the most popular product now, given that you have so many different SKUs? Well, I'll tell you, um, Amazon just stated a couple weeks ago that our diaper pill spray was one of the top baby products on there. So that looks like it's going to have a great demand. The pet products are going crazy. It got expanded into all stores in Target with multiple SKUs. So pet and baby looks very promising. Big growth areas. And mm -hmm. I was going to ask, you know, we are in a high inflationary environment. Consumers are feeling the pressure. And something like a poopery could feel like a luxury product almost, like a nice to have versus a need to have. So was the diversification strategy part of making puri an essential to, so that people buy it in all economic environments. First, I want to commend you on your business savvy because you're exactly right. <laughs> um, during the actual recession, 2008 to 2009, we grew 735%. And we were selling a product that cost 10 times as much as the competition, but it made you feel good. So for $10, you could get a good feel good product, right? And feel like you were doing something that was a little more luxurious. It's the same way in every category. So yes, you were right on. Well, I was wondering about the pandemic too, because if you don't have people using your, your restroom at your home, you know, a dinner party, poopery, I totally understand the value proposition. It's just you and your partner or your family, you're kind of used to your smells. Exactly, so now people are coming over, yeah. <laughs> no, but the world's opening up again. And pets, people adopted more animals and pets, which is great, but also there are now contained spaces because they're working at home as well when before the pandemic we were leaving. So you changed the name of the company in 2022. Mm -hmm. And then there was a period there a few years ago where you would step down as CEO, but now you are back. Yes. Can you talk about that? First of all, what made you step away? Mm -hmm. And then what was the thought process behind coming back? Yeah, I stepped away right before the pandemic, actually the month before I went to LA to move. I was burnt out. And I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Then the pandemic happened and I didn't want to come back. So I hired a CEO um, that was very well vetted. And about a year in, well, a few months in, you know, it didn't work out. So at that point I was faced with, do I hire another CEO? I know in my own evolution, I was working on creative projects and I was really in flow for my being, but that wasn't particularly a full-time CEO. So I went back, had to make hard decisions to restructure the company and change out some executives, the executive team. And then now I am still the CEO, but I work in mostly marketing and creative. So I came back in a completely different capacity than I did before because I built the support underneath me that I didn't have prior. That's smart. I think a lot of founders have to navigate that journey. They have a commitment to the product or yes. company they've started, but they don't necessarily want to do all aspects of the job. Right. So what's your advice to a founder out there who's in the CEO position and feeling like they're struggling right now? Yeah, the things that drain you or that you hate doing, you know, if it's that strategic pressure, hire someone to do that. And really the things that make you get up and want to work every single day, I've been on back-to-back -back calls all morning, but they're all creative meetings and marketing. That's my sweet spot. So try to carve out as much time. So probably 90% of my CEO life is in my creative and marketing. And I trust the other people with, you know, I have reporting every two weeks of what's going on internally in the company, but I keep myself almost separate while still tapping in. 
So talking about the marketing and creative, I do want to ask you, I know you've been asked this a thousand times, but the marketing for Poopery back in the day and even now, it's a little sassy and yeah. the product lends itself to literal bathroom humor. Mm -hmm. But then there's a flip side to that, right? If you lean into that humor, you run the risk of not being taken seriously as an entrepreneur. Yeah. How did you make the decision about how to lean into this humor and what type of marketing you've been using for the company? Yeah, again, uh, great, great call outs because we did. The reason I started with humor is because when I was inventing the product and I told them people would back up. They're like, you're doing what with what? Nobody wanted to talk about bathroom odor 18 years ago, you know? So I said, hold on, comedians actually break the ice with humor. So I'll use humor, but it was very subtle, but it did get us into a thing where people thought it was just a giftable. They didn't think it was an everyday product. So we had to go back and really start talking about how effective the product is, that it actually works. Once we changed that campaign message, then the giftability or that whole joke part was out of it because we had a tagline like it works guaranteed, which we had many studies and you know gazillions of five-star reviews. So we banked on that versus we just used humor to help break the ice a little bit and it's fun. You know, you get to awaken your inner third grader that laughs at the <laughs> fart jokes, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a little hard not to laugh. It it's, is. That's some of what's on your website, but it's it's effective. Humor is effective. It's effective, and that's why people love the brand too. I got to tell you, I've I've never met anyone that when I say I'm the CEO and founder of Poopery, they smile and they light up. So there is a level of levity and happiness that we bring, and there's also a secret that I rarely tell people: the essential oils in the original formula are aromatherapeutically uh, uplifting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So you're drawing on aromatherapy lessons to fuel yes. your business. And I never talk about it because it's kind of weird. No, I mean, I think uh, aromatherapy and I, there's a lot of science behind behind. Right. But while you're pooping, you know it. True. Yeah. <laughs> now, one of the I was reading the comments on the story and video that we did on you in 2019. And a lot of people were saying it's so cool that she owns the whole company, yes. basically. So at the time you had owned 97% of the company, you took on no outside investors. Is that still the case today? Yes. 97%. Yep. How did you do that? And were there any moments that you wavered, that you felt yourself talking to an investor, considering outside capital, thinking it might be good for help? Yeah, there's probably 20 that could call you right now. Say, <laughs> so I got that call one time. Of course, you know, there's always that you think I'm not going to be able to get around the next corner. But what I have done that I think is very smart is leaned on partnering with my suppliers early on. Like my first Christmas, I didn't know how I was going to build up inventory. My manufacturer actually produced goods that I didn't have to pay for until I sold them. So they were sort of inventorying for me, right? So, and I've had a relationship with them for 17 years. So I've built really deep relationships where we can grow together during times. And I think that's the way collaboration is. That's the only way you can grow. Um, and they were always strategically able to get us out of any tough spot. And I keep knocking on wood going, okay, we're still here. It's still growing. <laughs> You've also had some offers to sell the company and you have refused. Yes. What would it take to sell this company? Someone that I knew could do a way better job than, than me. You know, Pri is, I invented her 18 years ago. I call her her. To me, it's like a child, you know? And I would love to see what she can do in the world. You know, I have my own dreams. So, you know, I'm open. If someone says, hey, I can do a much better job, then okay. 
you led into my next question. I was going to say, <laughs> what is next? We're talking at the beginning of 2024. What can we expect to see from you and Paris this year? Well, our future is very bright. We just had a Boston Consulting Group do a study on our future. And, you know, like I said, right now, we're in 40% of the store. We can go in so many different areas, even different categories that are beyond odor elimination. So our future is very, very, very bright. Now we just got to keep up with it, right? <laughs> do you feel like you're creating your best impact or more powerful as an entrepreneur than you were earlier in your career? I do. I do. I believe it's because strategically, the reason I never launched any other products is because I wanted poopery to be the Band-Aid or the Kleenex. Like, I created the category. I wanted to have dominion, you know, like this is, we did this. And then now that that has happened, now we can bring in all the other products and it's just fun. You know, it's like, oh, we have all these other things in our back pocket over here. You did create the category, wasn't, and there was a competitor that I won't, I won't name that tried to use a, a similar name and you were successful in fighting back on that. Have you had a lot of copycats that you've had to whack-a-mole? Yeah, and you know, I do believe competition helps breed, you know, innovation. So it's not anti-competitive, it's just don't act just like me, right? Right. It's like you can do whatever you want to do. Um, that's where I get, and I have been very uh, offensive and, and defensive, you know, in, in, in the world with just don't act like us. And that particular company was a $50 billion company and they did act like us and I did go after them. Yeah, that was Goliath taking on David a little bit. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think you were 54 when you were named to our richest self-made women's list. And I edit a list called the 50 over 50. Oh. And I'm curious, we ask everyone on the list this, did you ever imagine your career? So when you were in your 20s, did you ever picture your career over the age of 50? And if so, what, what did you picture? No, I mean, Heck, we thought we were dead over 50, right? <laughs> Most people, I mean, when you're young, you know, my kids look at me now and they're like, oh my God, you're going to be 60? Like, do people live beyond that? So it's amazing. Um, what I, of course, I never pictured it, but what I'm excited about is I spent so many years building and that has its own rewards, right? You know, I, I have those rewards, they're within me and nobody can ever take those away. But now it's that you've built it, how can I share more? Mm. So you get into a place of service, you know, and that's where I'm at, is how can I now serve and help other people? I get a little weepy with that, you know? How can I give other women and other people that are from any marginalized background a leg up? Um, at South by Southwest, we're having an event and we're doing a whole showcase for marginalized artists and bringing in some record executives realizing that a lot of the marginalization is just you don't have the same opportunities. So how can we kind of create those opportunities knowing that the person has to have the gumption, right, yeah. after that opportunity is presented to go forward. But that's what I'm really interested in doing now in the world. You have a tattoo, if Forbes reporting is correct, which I believe it is, that says, this dance is the joy of existence. Yes. What does that mean? That's a Rumi quote, um, which was a Sufi poet. And what it reminds me of every day is that at the end of my life, at my last breath, I would look back at even what I considered the worst moments and be like, I'd take that too, right? So what it reminds me of is it's, it's the entire dance. You know, we talk about challenges, like I have the pandemic or challenges in business, obstacles. Obstacles are, life is. You know, it's like, how do I stay grateful um, during all of those. That's what it was for.
Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you so much for joining Forbes at NASDAQ Market Site. We so appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed it.